The campaign trail is a time-honored tradition, the political equivalent of a band going on tour. In the USA, presidential candidates will clamber into buses with their crew and roam across the nation, town to town, hoping to garner votes from big cities and small towns alike. Following these candidates, not unlike the Grateful Dead's faithful deadheads, are a collection of journalists documenting every step of the journey. Most famous of these journalists is perhaps Hunter S. Thompson, who published a collection of his campaign trail musings in a book titled Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail 72. In true Thompson fashion, his ultimate takeaway focused, as it usually did, on the broken promise of the American dream. Quote, How many more of these stinking, double-downer sideshows will we have to go through before we can get ourselves straight enough to put together some kind of national election that will give me, and the at least 20 million people I tend to agree with, a chance to vote for something, instead of always being faced with that old familiar choice between the lesser of two evils, wrote Thompson. This familiar choice led former Nirvana drummer and Foo Fighters founder and frontman Dave Grohl to follow John Kerry on his 2004 presidential campaign trail. Quote, I went out and supported John Kerry on his campaign trail, only really because George W. Bush was using one of our songs at his political rallies. There's no way of stopping the president playing your song, so I went out and played it for John Kerry's people instead, where I thought the message would kind of make more sense. So I spent quite a lot of time on the trail said Dave Grohl. So Grohl picked the lesser of two evils, and through his performances on the trail, found himself inspired by both Kerry himself and his audience. Grohl's time on the trail led him to a much more positive conclusion than Thompson's, and in honor of Kerry, the frontman dedicated several songs on Foo Fighters' fifth studio album, In Your Honor, to the politician. One of the songs dedicated to Kerry became a massive success for the group, hitting number one on both Billboard's hot mainstream rock track charts and hot modern rock tracks. The song remains the band's highest charting track on the Billboard Hot 100, where it hit number 18, as well as their highest charting track in the UK and Australia, where it hit number 4 and number 5, respectively. Impressive stats for a song that almost never made it past the demo stage. Grohl had written the song in his garage following his time with Carrie, and then the band quickly put together a demo, and just as quickly decided to put that demo on the shelf. It was their manager, John Silva, who convinced the group that the melodically simple song with its driving rhythm was exactly what the album needed. Silva was right. The song has become a Foo Fighters staple and a great excuse for Grohl to shout into a microphone for four minutes straight. That's right. We are talking about this song to honor the recent passing of Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins, I confess. But don't let that dampen your excitement for Best of You by Foo Fighters on Cover Me. Is someone getting the That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one is under arrest again. I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my too strong co-host. Alex Mildenberger. So strong. <sighs> Alex. I'm flexing, but you can't flexing. see because this is I can not feel it. Flexing medium. those vocal cords, cords of steel, baby. Yeah. Hmm. I lose my voice too often for that C- to be true. Chords of copper, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe some kind of metal. Something, something you can bend. Aluminum. <laughs> Aluminum. Yeah, highly recyclable. It's, yeah, very recyclable. It's a, a good. It's a good uh, workman's vocal cords. Alex, how you doing this week? Uh, how am I doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's been a real flip floppy week. Speaking of po- politics, uh, yeah. in Calgary, we had like two snowstorms, but between all the snow melted so that's just how it goes okay we've been kind of flip-floppy on and off with the rain not as extreme as snowstorms in april but uh hey 
Last time I was in Calgary in April, there was a snowstorm. Yep. And then I left. And now here we are. Now here we are, recording across the nation. Far not apart. Not right across uh, provinces. Like, I'd say half the nation. It's probably more like a third. Yeah. Yeah, about a... F- Ish. Somewhere. A, a fraction of the nation. Yeah. <laughs> the safest way to, to say it. Alex, um, before we jump into what is going to be a, an enriching theraminute, I'm sure... Uh, here I have a small audience request. Um, oh. we're going to be doing a little bit of a, a different episode sometime in the future. Okay. Uh, where we're going to, and I should, maybe I should have told you this off air. So this, Alex is hearing this for the first time <laughs> as well, but you know, we talk about a lot of different songs on the show. And as we talk about them, more covers come out or because we did a, a, a sloppy job compiling a playlist, we miss some of the more prominent versions or we miss, for example, weird Al versions of songs because they're usually under different names and because they're parodies, so it's hard to grab those. So in the yeah, future, we're sometimes be, we're very lazy. Sometimes we're very lazy. It's one of the. <laughs> or I mean, I can't speak for you, but no, you can sometimes speak for I am very lazy. One. I have phoned in playlists on this a few times, but you know, not so much recently, but in the past, and 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 much like any good Christian, we we have to atone for our past. <laughs> of course, I'm not Christian. I won't speak for you, Alex, but. Uh, so we're going to kind of compile a short list of some cover versions we've missed over the years and do a little like catch up episode sometime in the future. So if you guys have any hot recommendations for cover songs we've missed in the past, uh, for example, Ruby Swan reached out to us with a version of, uh, you get what you give by the new radicals that we missed a Canadian version, no less. So we're going to compile those together, like a short, like five song playlist and kind of go through those for an episode because we got some events coming up that are going to affect our recording schedule, so we're going to try and bank some sort of smaller, easier episodes. I feel like that'll fit that description. So hit us up at Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise guy, or email us at CoverMePod at gmail.com, and let us know if anything comes to mind. Uh, with that said, Alex, what's going on with that theremin? Um, I got a chance to show it off to some more people, so that's always fun. Hell yeah, were these people you knew in high school? Because it's cool. Uh, some of them were. Some of them were <laughs> Will's dad. Nice. Um, only a few of them, though. And uh, so that was fun. Um, his dad been... seems like the kind of guy who would hate a fucking theremin. Is that true? <laughs> I mean, it's not a vegetable, Jake. Uh, <laughs> anyway. He's upset it wasn't made of Alberta beef. He's like, well, it's not <laughs> um, good. I've been practicing uh, like hand positions, so it's not even okay. like much music. Uh, still, still playing like simple melodies, but trying to think of... Cause uh, Carolina Ike, who's a theremin player on mm-hmm. on YouTube, has like a method for playing that involves just moving your hand to play a single octave, and then you move okay. like you just reposition your hand like right. with your wrist, and then if you move your like forearm onward like at your elbow, that changes your key essentially or your octave, whatever. Okay, I like that conceptually. Yeah, it's a very interesting idea. So I'm like, but it's a lot of like memorizing and like really getting a strong feel for like very specific hand positions and being very consistent with how you move. Mm-hmm. So you have to do some like practice movement without the theremin because you right. have to make sure that you have the muscle memory for these positions. Interesting. So I've been starting to work on that. And also like cool. just making some sounds. <laughs> Because I've been running it through my um, my sub thirty seven, which is mostly just you get like uh, the Moog bladder filter, which is nice, and you can do some cool stuff with that for making it sound nice. Um, so yeah, doing that kind of stuff as well. 
just messing around with it. Now, with that method, to, could you, to kind of cheat for practice purposes, construct like a almost like a keyboard, but like a visual one that you could then put on like a wall or something so that you could more accurately visualize where your hand is for these different octaves and notes? Yeah, probably. I mean, if you had a, a way to reference, and if you were like close enough that you could know the right distances and stuff, it would be difficult because you kind of... I mean, you're supposed to like kind of tune it to yourself because mm. there's a there's a knob to adjust the pitch field, and that I haven't really uh, gotten into too much. Um, right. So you probably could, but it might be difficult to get it exact. Right. So there's sort of an imprecision to kind of like a fretless bass in some way, right? Yeah, Where exactly. It, it is. I mean, it is a fretless on. instrument. It certainly is fretless. Yeah. <laughs> um, or and even more so, it's an instrument where like there's no references for pitch, no physical right. pitch references. But yeah, you could probably work something out if you had a way to measure that. Good. Interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm endlessly fascinated by this theremin. I'm excited for you to compose a theme song for the show. Just <laughs> theremin. <laughs> oh, promise on the air. <laughs> promise on the air. Yeah, like we've ever followed up on those. We said some. We once did cover me New Year's resolutions, and I think hit maybe one of them of like thirty. Hey, that's something. That's a success. <laughs> yeah, like Milo said, one out of three ain't bad. So yeah. Alex, we're talking about a band. Neither one of us, I think, is particularly a fan of Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters, yeah. Alex, what's going on with Foo Fighters? What do you feel about them? Um, you know, I wouldn't say I've. I don't think I've like disliked anything I've heard out of them. That's fair. You know, I'm not like a big Foo Fighters fan, but the their stuff that's on, um, I mean, we like in Rock Band, Guitar Hero, whatever. I enjoy playing those reasonably, which is pretty much just like learn to fly and ever long. That said, I won't pretend like I wasn't at least a bit opposed to them for a while because, you know, they're, a, I say modern, but, you know, when I was 12 or whatever, they were a, the modern rock band, you know? Yeah. So I was like, no, not for me. Thank you. Um, like and playing music in the 70s. Get yeah, out of here. I know. Right. And like, I, of course, I didn't even know who Dave Grohl was at the time, which. Right. I don't not that I had any respect for Nirvana either. They were a bit recent <laughs> for me as well. That's <laughs> but right. um, they also uh, committed the cardinal sin. Uh, they have a song that kind of sounds in the title like another song that I mm. did respect, which is learn to fly versus learning to fly. That was a big deal to me, and I was like, oh, wait, the fake version of Learn to Fly, but Tom it's not Petty even Petty really. or yeah. by Pink Tom, Floyd, okay. Tom Petty. I didn't actually, I've never really been into, that into Pink Floyd, but... Um, right, you're a bad man. We've talked about this I'm a, before. I'm a bad person, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I did reject them to that, but like, it seemed like they've got some pretty decent songs. They've been around for a long time. Yeah, they've been around for a while. Um... And yeah, like, truthfully, they share a same space for me that, like, Weezer occupies, where they're good bands, and the songs I hear I typically like, but I don't, I'm not a Weezer fan, and I am not a Foo Fighters fan. Yeah, just, like, never really spent that much time with them, and maybe wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I recently listened to Pinkerton as well, from, from right. Weezer, and I was yeah, like, yeah, this seems like... Yeah, album. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay. This list seems like there's some pretty good songs on here, but like I don't really feel like listening to it again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something about like maybe it's just that they're like radio friendly rock to some extent, or just that like the internet has made David Grohl their special boy, or like 
something <laughs> is stopping me. Something from, about it. Some from mental going block. whole hog in on Foo Fighters, and I say that because I listened to this song this week, and then I read the lyrics and I listened again. I was like, "Holy shit, this song is really fucking good!" Like, this is a great song. Yeah, I mean, I was actually impressed by just like how many lyrics there were. Yeah, there were. and and the really good lines in there. Yeah, and I mean, Dave Grohl, even at the, like at this point, he'd been in the like the game for long enough. You know, he had mm-hmm. the experience and the. Uh, ability i guess yeah like, the, to, was like we we talked about john oates a while back and how yeah. he had had like a whole career by the time he was like 18 because he'd been playing since he was seven <laughs> right. uh dave Grohl not quite the same but he was in nirvana yeah and then went on to become successful again or like continue to be successful yeah even like wrote some of the first foo fighters stuff while nirvana was still Still existed. Still existing, yeah. So yeah, Foo Fighters started out as like just the one man Dave Grohl project. Um, yeah, that's kind of amusing, uh, yeah. and then kind mm-hmm. of expanded from there, right? Like as yeah. he like then recruited people to tour with him, and then they just kind of became the band and weren't just like touring members. They yeah, were yeah. the band, and they wrote music together. So. Wrote music together. Yeah, that's cool. kind of kind of like a Boston situation if everybody else got to play more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's just Tom Scholz. And like maybe um, and Brad I, Delp, maybe. maybe Brad Delp, yeah, who got to sing until yeah. he uh, unfortunately passed away. Um, one more thing I wanted to mention about Foo Fighters: their name is a, a World War II term for UFOs seen by Allied pilots. So they would be like flying, and if they saw something that was flying but they didn't know what the fuck it was, they're like, "Ah, oh, Foo Fighters." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is fun. Although there's another, I saw Dave Grohl quote. He said, "Like if I thought this was going to be a long-term thing, I never would have given us such a stupid fucking name." <laughs> That is like the rock band I know, right? Like most like, musicians. <laughs> like, man, if I thought I was going to be popular, I would have thought of a better name. And it's like, would you have thought of a better name? Ian Anderson? Then better name than Jethro Tull? Than Jethro I don't Tull? Know. Yeah, you kind of went through a whole roulette of options yeah. there, Ian Anderson. Uh, yeah, although I also saw, because I watched the Hot Ones interview. Mm. Uh, with Dave Grohl and he was talking about how like he was big into UFOs because he just like had really vivid dreams that often involved being abducted by UFOs so he was always really into UFOs as a child so that is a really like 90s name to Foo Fighters name after UFOs um thinking back to last week we talked about Alien Ant Farm whose name came from like the lead singer being like that's what it is man he's like I thought like what if that's what it is we're just like an ant farm for aliens. Like, for aliens like the earth yeah yeah um or even uh oh which which member of blink 182 tom delong tom i'm DeLong pretty sure is, really is the alien one blink oh my God, i gotta google that to be sure because i think it's tom delong yeah but i mean 90s tom delong yeah yeah, that is a real like '90s, <laughs> strange enough, musician perspective. I remember UFOs like, and bro. like, I don't know if it was just the '90s or just like because we're so saturated with information now that we don't like maybe not as many people believe in UFOs or something. I don't know if that's true, honestly. I think um, it's been driven out of the mainstream. For yeah, a sure, bit. So like, because like UFOs, like the Loch Ness monster and other X Files, bro. Like I guess, that's true. X Files was on the air at the time, so maybe that's all it was. And I'm also thinking like the Bermuda Triangle, things that like seemed like huge deals when we were ten years old. Quicksand, quicksand, Not aliens, yeah. but another like '90s thing that seemed huge. Um, although, I mean, famously, wasn't there? I, 
I mean, it's another like internet apocrypha thing, so it might not be true, but like supposedly there was concern that the moon was just made of quicksand and like they're like, well, if we get to the moon, what if we step out and it's just quicksand? Although I don't know if that was NASA who was worried or like journalists who were like, but what if you sink on the moon? And NASA was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Fucking journalists just having a fucking field day because nobody knows shit about the moon. Like, what if there's snakes up there? I don't know. What if- <laughs> we're going to find out. That's why we're, we're going. Find out. That's why we're going. <sighs> yeah. Um, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. Uh, I keep saying it like Chris Walker. I, I didn't yeah. even watch that interview thing where Dave Grohl <laughs> talks about that. But. Um, but yeah, that's pretty amusing. I think the people must love it. Um, yeah. So from the '90s to the year 2005, where we 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 being Dave Grohl in a garage write "Best of You," uh, which won the Kerrang Award for Best Single. <laughs> Kerrang! It's just a magazine, right? That is just a magazine. The great name. Uh, Yep. Um, I also like forgot to check beforehand, but um, Taylor Hawkins does play on this. Yes, like, he does. Yeah. That was like, yeah, before he I was a little worried because he was wasn't like, always oh, in the band. And I was like, oh, shit, wait. Yeah, he came in in 97, I think. So yeah. by this point, he was in there. I also forgetting. saw, I don't know if this was true or a joke, but I saw Justin Hawkins from The Darkness say that Taylor Hawkins was a distant cousin. I don't know if that was a joke because they have the same last name or if he actually right. knows him as a cousin. If he actually knows him as a cousin. Um, but apparently. They, Maybe he's talking they, about like in the realm of rock and roll. <laughs> rock and roll cousins, brother. <laughs> yeah, maybe, okay. honestly. Maybe. No, no it could be. <laughs> I can't. I, I don't know enough of Justin Hawkins' tone. I guess I kind of do. But yeah, that would lead me to believe it was some kind of joke rather than a. It a sounded like it could have just been a joke because afterwards yeah. again dismissed it. But it was ambiguous in context. Um, but yeah, he plays oh, on this. Um, he's apparently right. knows a lot of people. Uh, I do like there's a there's a mention on his uh, Wikipedia page about apparently Roger Taylor of Queen. Uh, described him or said that he had been a mentor to Rufus Taylor, Roger Taylor's son, which is, I think it's a little funny because like Roger Taylor's your father and a drummer, but like, no, the mentor is just some other guy who's also a drummer. Some other guy who also plays drums, but I get it, right? You want to find somebody who's not your dad to learn fucking music from. True. It is, um, I guess not necessarily a mentor as a drummer. Maybe just as a guy who does rock and roll music. That's a guy who's cool. Um, Yeah. Speaking for another connection to the darkness hey the darkness got him alex Um, let's talk about these lyrics uh, we should talk about the darkness some more we should but on a different episode about (laughs) another popular darkness song (laughs) in the uk maybe in the uk maybe Uh, Uh, don't let the bells here, folks yeah hey don't let the bells is that a christmas one yeah it is christmas it's actually called christmas time that's right i figured there was a brackets on that yeah um i've got another confession to make i'm your fool Everyone's got their chains to break. Old and you. Were you born to resist or be abused? Be abused. Yeah, this song is a lot about kind of defiance mm-hmm. and, and uh, sort of being strong in yourself. Yeah, you kind of nailed it on the head there. Um, I'll follow that up with the Dave Grohl quote about what the song's about, which goes along those lines. A song of resistance. It's about the refusal to be taken, of adva- taken advantage of by something that's bigger than you or someone you're in love with. It's the fight in the face of adversity. Yeah, and that, I mean, there's a lot of that, like, romance or former or perhaps dead or whatever romance in there. Like, that's the beginning of the song, which I think, I mean, that I've got a conf- another confession to another make. Another confession um, to make, yeah. It's pretty, uh, I don't know. It's very, it's a good way to draw you in, just the way. Oh, yeah, it's a great hook, especially it's just vocals. Yeah. 
But um, and then like I'm your fool, which that's a pretty common term as well. Like that's a cliche mm-hmm. uh, to say that. And he's kind of admitting, obviously, uh, to that. So he's saying this person does have some sort of uh, sway. Yeah, some hold. Uh, indeed. But yeah, I wonder also if that plays on that- the line holding you both ways. So everyone's got their chains to break. And he's saying holding you as in there are chains holding you as well, but also my chains are holding you. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's nice when things work on more levels. I like that. Um, um, but then also acknowledging that he, yeah, kind of needs to pull away. Let is not in the best situation. Exactly. Um, and there's a lot, we'll talk about it as it goes on, but there is a sort of cyclical nature to what he talks about in here. You seem to either be in a chain, or you're either chained or you're free and then to be chained again, kind of. Right. I guess you're constantly breaking your chains and then falling mm-hmm. into captivity again. Do you know the song I'm Set Free by Velvet Underground? It's not off. It's off Velvet Underground, but not Velvet Underground in Nico. Um, yeah, I think I do. I was thinking I'm So Free, which is just uh, solo. Just Lou solo Reed. Lou Reed. Yeah. Um, but it's not that song. I, I do. No, I think so. It's 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 quieter song, right? Yeah. I don't know that album that well, but I have free. listened to it. I've been bound. Um, but the the kind of like uh, chorus line on that is I'm set free to find a new illusion. Right. I guess. Yeah. That's. I mean. Yeah. Like you said, cyclical nature. Yeah. So I think some so of that theme to... plays here as well. Yeah, because we're kind of prone to either. I mean, one. If you do move on with your life, you're always going to be prone to falling into these these situations again, because that's mm-hmm. just part of trying new things, you know? But yeah. also, we're kind of have bad habits that are hard to break, so you can break out of a situation without breaking your habits, right? That's true as well, yeah. And sort of either fall back in or fall into a similar situation for similar reasons. For sure. Life is, and, and also music is in, some, in a lot of ways, just establishing patterns and then breaking those patterns and then establishing patterns and then breaking those patterns, right? Yeah, let's talk about a pattern then. The, Pretty quickly let's talk repeating about one. This one, a pattern, a word that gets said 40 times in this song, best. Uh, is someone getting the best, the best, the best, the best of you? Is someone getting the best, the best, the best, the best of you? Yeah, that's the first chorus where they just say, is someone getting the best of mm-hmm. you? Uh, and then later on, they sort of expand that. Yes, they do. Um, should we read the expanded chorus? Nah. No, we'll, we'll get we'll, there. We'll, we'll, get there. we'll let them want. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll let we'll, it simmer. It'll yeah, be a surprise for everyone listening. <laughs> um, another interesting thought comes to me. So he's kind of asking the question to there's a to to wake you up a little bit. It feels like there's a bit right. of a once in a lifetime feel to this, where it's like pull your head out of the water. And look at your life, right? See how you got where you got to. And he's asking, like, who is taking advantage of you in your life right now? Yeah, I actually had it backwards. Well, I didn't really have it backwards. I misinterpreted this line. Mm. Um, I thought it was more, like, before I knew the song, um, thought it was more of, like, a romantic thing. So, it was... Okay, like, I, someone I, I, getting the best out of you. Like, yeah, bringing exactly. the best out of you? Yeah. So, I thought it was more like, um, like, here comes the night. Uh, by them right. kind of saying like someone else is getting the best of you, whereas either oh, I used okay. to or perhaps yeah, yeah. never did. But yeah, I don't think that's quite right. That's um, interesting, and yeah. uh, even the way it's performed, you could definitely get that read. But I think it doesn't gel with the rest of the. Yeah, list. unless it's because there is some relationship, maybe not exclusively about 
and it is more about relationships but like the idea because once you you know leave the relationship maybe there's just some pain there but it's kind of a stretch so i'm not really on yeah board with uh, that. Grohl actually says about this he says most people think it's a love song but it's meant to be more universal which i think is one of the reasons so many people sing along when we play it so I think it can, you can read love interpretations on this. He's obviously talking to another person. Um, he talks about breaking from a relationship. Right. So, yeah, I guess it can reading, be about relationships without being about, you know, romantic relationships. Yeah, for sure. And even your read really plays with what the what uh, Genius calls the interlude, the next line. Are you gone, on, gone and on to someone new? Yeah. Is that person getting the best of you? The biggest. So, yeah, like as a breakup song, Time. that's actually a solid read with that chorus and interlude. Which does, the interlude doesn't come back again. <laughs> no, it doesn't. They do it, and that's sort of the transition into like the meat of the song. The meat of the song, and maybe my favorite line here, I think, is verse two because it's just a fucking it's a brutal opener line. Just like yeah. the first verse has a great like hook. This one is I needed somewhere to hang my head without your noose. Yeah, it's a good line. That's a it's good, good line. line. <laughs> uh, you gave me something that I didn't have, but had no use. I was too weak to give in, too strong to lose. little bit of irony there at the end yeah 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 it's a, yeah, a little bit iron a little bit of uh juxtaposition slash oxymoron a little contradiction yeah but also it can you can make sense of it yeah of it day. does make sense i think so yeah needed somewhere to hang my head without your noose i needed to relax without literally you know being killed by your influence yeah but also like like hanging your head like there's hanging your hat which yes. is like taking a load off you know but mm-hmm. hanging your head like that's being kind of a vulnerable thing, right? Because, like, you hang your head in, like, shame. Right, I suppose, So, like, yeah. I needed someone to be around that I could, like, be vulnerable with without it, without... Yeah, without it leading to, yeah, to death, right? I needed to be able to experience, <laughs> like, emotions and vulnerability and, yeah. and perhaps shame without being punished and tortured for it. Yeah. Um, and I hear another great... You gave me something that I didn't have but had no use. <laughs> Yeah, which sounds kind of funny, but, like, yeah, I get that, too. Like, yeah, because sometimes you're like, oh, but if I give this up, then I won't have this thing anymore. Yeah. But it's like, do you need that thing? Exactly. It's, it's like Marie Kondo or whatever. Yeah, like, does it bring does you it, joy? Does it spark joy? <laughs> Not get It's a rid thing of it. you have, but... It's kind of Yeah, you can give but... people... Like, when they give you useless shit, so you'll sign up for services you don't need and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Hey. It's like, it's on sale, bro. Gotta spend money to save money. Well... That's something no? I don't have. Yeah. You get it. It has no use. So, yeah, another good line there. Um, and, of course, I was too weak to give in, too strong to lose. Um, the, the genius guy thinks it's all about pride. I mean, I, I think part of it, yeah. Because you're talking yeah, about, like, extent. like I mean, even the first, like, too weak to give in, obviously, you'd think, oh, well, if you were weak, you would give in. So how can you be more weak and not give in? But it's, like, it's it's about admitting to yourself that you've been bested. Yeah. And uh, and then being able to move on from that. Yeah, it works in with, because the word he comes back to a few times is confession. And being able to confess, you have to own up yeah. and sort of surrender to the situation you're in to then move forward from it. To break those chains, as it were. Yeah. And even the, like, the strength, or maybe the false strength mm-hmm. of pushing through a bad situation. Was, is what's causing you to not um, move on. So you never officially lose, but 
you're just kind of stuck in a middle ground. Yeah. You can't get ahead. Yeah, he's basically pulled between his, his weakness and his strength into a, into a state of stasis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Right on. Um, verse 3, my heart is under arrest again, but I break loose. My head is giving me life or death, but I can't choose. I swear I'll never give in. I refuse. Yeah, that, I mean, compared to the last one where it's more talking about the situation, verse 3 is a little more proactive, like he's starting to get more confident about it. Mm-hmm. And gaining the strength to, to uh, better himself. Yeah, he, it's sort of like a, an acknowledgement of being in the cycle. He's like, my heart's under arrest again, so he's right. in a scenario he's been in before, right. but I break loose, which I, we can assume he's done before. Um, and interestingly, like, yeah, that's very decisive, but then the next line is, my head is giving me life or death, but I can't choose. Right, it's still a difficult decision to make, even though it might seem obvious. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. That's what I'm thinking of, anyway. And that, and that highlights the, the cycle as well, because honestly, choosing one is also choosing the other, right? Oh. It's, you it's, even a, have a it's, a, it's a cycle of death and rebirth, baby. Yes, you do. Right, because maybe, yeah, you need to die metaphorically to move on. I know. This is, this is the thing here, Alex. I'm, maybe I'll drop the bomb now. I was going to drop it a little later here. Lay it on but, me. But the concept of death and rebirth in that cycle and being stuck in it is, a, is a, your Buddhism classic ideology. Right. And then, of course, the, the Buddhism classic ideology, the way to get out of that, you know what that, that state of mind's called? Oh, I think That's I Nirvana, baby. <laughs> that is This, this is Dave Grohl's song about achieving Nirvana. The drummer from Nirvana! <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, yeah. There is some, like, Buddhist stuff in here, I think. Yeah, a little bit. Just with that whole cyclical notion, it kind of plays into yeah, that. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think I whispered it before, maybe. I don't know if it came through. In, the, in verse 2, talking about, like, having things you don't need. Mm-hmm. I think it's Yeah, a exactly. Bit, a bit uh, you know. Based on, I'll admit, I have a pretty, like, elementary understanding of Buddhism. But, like, letting go of your worldly things... Yeah, and letting go of, of like, attachment, even, like, attachment to thoughts is kind of a big basic yeah. principle. So, um, there you yeah, go. And, and living in those here. contradictions as well. So, being too weak and too strong simultaneously and living in that kind of spot between where both can be true is, is in the realm of Buddhism. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I buy it. And also, the connection is great. It's a <laughs> yeah, song if about nothing else. It's a good headline, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Best of you is about Nirvana. People what? click on that shit all day. Uh, right uh, but on. yeah, that also plays into my head is giving me life or death, but I can't choose because maybe you don't have to choose because th- that's a that's a false duality, baby. Huh? It's, maybe it's another thing. Buddhism about dualities. There is only one. Come on. We yeah. get fucking reamed in our imaginary comment section for talking about <laughs> Buddhism out of our asses. <laughs> It's pop Buddhism, but it's Buddhism. Yeah, it's, I've, I've, you know, I've actually read and studied a bit of it. I'm not yeah. completely or, Okay, off, for, off for me, here. it's pop Buddhism, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I took a university course, and I read a book that my sister found in a free library. Like, <laughs> Sounds like a qualification to me. Hell yeah, brother. Um, I swear I'll never give in. I refuse. Yeah, which is, it kind of almost seems like it's contradicting the stuff. Contradicting. Contrad- Sorry, I stressed that weird. It's a contra- in contradiction with the last line of the previous one he's talking mm-hmm. about being too strong to lose and that's kind of a bad thing mm-hmm. but now his like defiance and 
it's maybe like a different kind of strength because he's still not giving in. Yeah. Uh, but sort of needs to acknowledge the failure or the. Yeah, perhaps he's retargeting that strength, right? Redirecting yeah. it. Because he ultimately talks about in the chorus is, uh, or is that the chorus or is it the first verse? Let me go back here and check. In the first verse, which is repeated, were you born to resist or to be abused? Yeah. And so he's finding it in him to resist. Because he'll never give in. He refuses. Yeah, and it rhymes. And it rhymes. Which takes us to the chorus. Is someone getting the best, the best, the best, the best of you? Is someone getting the best, the best, the best, the best of you? Has someone taken your faith? It's real. The pain you feel, you trust, you must confess. Is someone getting the best, the best, the best, the best of you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, structurally, we've taken the chorus from before, and now there's, there's more words in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of a cool way to build on it like and even the next chorus even extends that yeah and because musically this song is basically besides the breakdown is one massive build yeah like, it's and just like yeah it's like pretty ramp upwards even in that right mm-hmm. but um does a pretty good job of that but yeah. It's almost like a uh, there's a similarity like lyrically here in terms of defining a scenario to Fleetwood Mac's uh, landslide. How she's so? like she's like if you find yourself on the snow covered hills, the landslide will bring you down. She describes the scenario in which you may find yourself in the landslide. She's like if this is your scenario, get ready for the snow to take you down. Um, in the same way, he's he's further elaborating on what someone getting the best of you. Like in, entails, he says, "Is somebody taking your faith?" And he says, "You have to like acknowledge the pain that you are feeling. It's real. You must confess to that." He's also building on his concept of what it means to kind of break free from these chains. You have to first be, you know, you have to give in and acknowledge the pain and confess to it. Yeah, yeah. Except that it's like, uh, like trust yourself mm-hmm. um, enough to know that, like, you have identified a bad situation accurately. Like you're yeah. right. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. And you so he are, asks again yeah, after that. He's like, have, have these things happened to you? Has someone taken your <laughs> faith? <laughs> you, you may must be entitled confess. to. Uh, you must confess. Yeah, you trust. You must confess. Yeah, he's, he's telling you to look internally. Trust yourself and the pain you feel. And acknowledge this terrible situation you're in. Whatever it may be. Whatever the chains that hold you. Everybody's got chains holding them. Mm-hmm. And then we get, oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh, oh. And then, yeah, we hit the chorus again. It's something your faith. It's real pain you feel. The life, the love you die to heal. The hope that starts the broken hearts. You trust you must confess to someone getting the best, the best, the best, the best of you. Yeah, so we get another couple lines there. Um, of course, a little more of that duality. Uh, die to heal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's also... Now we are talking about love explicitly. Mm-hmm. Although, is that the love that's false? It's the love you die to heal, which I think or is, is that, maybe is that the real, real to me. That may be the real deal. I guess, yeah, that's what you want. Because I think that's he elaborates goal. on it being the hope that starts the broken hearts. Oh, that's if, true. If we can believe those are the same things. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. One line leads into the other. Makes sense but they'd be connected. I don't think it's like necessarily the romantic love that... Right, felt but it's, more in the it's love. Verses. It's a more universal love, yeah. So yeah, he elaborates on, on the chorus again, builds on it again, like he said. 
And then we come to our closing verse, which, I mean, we get another chorus after that, but this is the last bit of original mm-hmm. content, non-repeated content. I've got another confession, my friend. I'm no fool. I'm getting tired of starting again, somewhere new. Were you born to resist or be abused? I swear I'll never give in. I refuse. So he mishmashes some earlier verses, flips some things around, and gives us a brand new verse. Right. But there's one, uh, is the tired of starting again line come up before? I think that that's its first yeah. one. Yeah, that's new. So, I mean, more acknowledgement of, of the cyclical nature of everything. Mm-hmm. It's happening over and over again. He's saying he's getting a bit sick of it, but the song is still, you know, defiant enough. He's going to keep going, but it's like, oh, getting to be a bit much. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm sick of this. I need to break free of this cycle and achieve Nirvana. It's, yeah. it's that simple. Just I mean, yeah, even thinking of him own. opening with, uh, at the beginning, I've got another confession to make, implies, you know, like a conversation in progress or something in progress, a cycle going yeah, on. Yeah, or at like, least like something he's talked about before. Yeah. Um, I'm no fool, so we flipped it from the first where he says, I'm your fool. It's true, he's grown over the course of the song. Mm-hmm. Which is always nice. It's nice, but then he kind of acknowledges the cycle again by saying, I'm getting tired of starting again somewhere new. So he's like, I'm no fool again, so no longer the fool. Uh, but since he's aware of the cycle, he's like, fuck, it's probably going to happen again, right? He says, I'm getting tired of starting again somewhere new. I'm going to go somewhere else, become a fool for somewhere else, get chained up, get the best of me, etc. All comes around, baby. Yeah. And yeah, then he tags on that, I swear I'll never give in, I refuse, to the were you born to resist or to be abused. So he kind of, I guess he answers the question for himself there, finally. And decides to resist. Decides Decides to resist. Hashtag resist. Be strong. Yeah, I mean, it's a song about being strong and, like, finding what's best for yourself. Yeah. That's, yeah. And asking yourself... Difficult questions. Asking yourself the difficult questions and then, and then building from there. Saying, mm-hmm. well, got to find something better than this. That's the lyrics to Best of You by Foo Fighters. Good stuff. Um, how is it performed? Well, Dave Grohl shouts for four minutes. He shouts a lot. Uh, one of the other stories about it, apparently he was worried about having to do it live. He wasn't sure if he could do it. Yeah. But I guess he figured it out because <laughs> yeah, he 15, says something 17 years ago. Along the lines of like, because he did it in like rehearsals and it was fucking him up and he's like but you know when you get in front of the audience you scream twice as hard so he's like I'll be okay and then he just went out and did it great I guess you know you gotta I mean he really goes for it oh can't yeah. be easy um yeah right off the bat so like we start with him doing cause he if I'm to believe the music video he just fucking makes out with this microphone yeah like so direct he, contact direct contact nose rubbing up on it he inhales. You hear the inhale at the start. It's just focused. I got another confession to make. Yeah, actually, there's a couple things, like, because there's that, but also you hear the um, guitar strumming, but you also hear strings. Yeah. So, like, there's some of that. There's some of those little little pieces of, like, I don't know, peaks behind the curtain or whatever you'd want to call it. Things that, in a lot of songs, you just wouldn't have because of the way they recorded it. Yeah, some of that rawness. They're not, like, noise-gating things. Yeah, or at least like the microphone's close enough to also yeah, pick up the strings or something. Yeah, because you really get the like guitar 
like plucking noises or like the the contact of pick to string like the really acoustic organic stuff yeah which is i mean that's something he also brought up in his hot ones interview Mm. (laughs) which as i mentioned i watched yesterday yeah Um, what did he say about it he just say it was cool or i don't have a quote but he said he's more into that kind of stuff where you can hear you know the drums clicking or whatever or the strings i like that because i'm a bad producer and so i can I can achieve that. <laughs> so it's easier. Yeah, I remember one time that was like a criticism of something we recorded one time. It's like, uh, you can hear the strings on the guitar and maybe they were a bit loud. Fair. Yeah. But also, um, it's a stylistic choice. It's a stylistic choice. Also a choice when you can't isolate the vocals for whatever reason. We couldn't isolate those vocals. Oh, I've, we were having issues with like channels or something. We were like, we just want to play this back for you. But we can't like play it back and record at the same time or something. Yeah, we it's like that uh, kind of thing because we didn't thing. know what the fuck we were doing and probably yeah, don't, still don't. I don't think I was running my audio equipment right. I guarantee you, I could do a better job now. I'm yeah. not saying it'd be perfect, yeah. but it better. would be at least a solid demo. Um, but enough about our failings. Let's talk about yep. the success of this song. So you're right. We get these kind of like whispers and clicks and hints of things in the song. Um, and it's guitar for the first like half of the first verse. I think it's, it's, um, I guess it does change a bit, but the drums don't come in for a while. right, until Until after the chorus, they come in verse two. Yeah. So you Um, get to really focus on the raw vocals. But there is, I think, one more guitar that comes in for the chorus, but it's playing quite slowly. So the personnel I've got for this is Dave Grohl on vocals and rhythm guitar, and then you have Chris Shiflett on lead guitar, uh, Nate Mandel on bass, and Taylor Hawkins on drums. So theoretically, three guitars if you count a bass as a guitar. Oh, sorry, I was looking at the Wikipedia page. It's very handy. I didn't notice that they listed all the scenes in the music video. So that's yeah, that's because that's very useful, and we should refer to that for when we talk about the music video in a bit here. But right. uh, yeah, you're right. There's multiple guitars, but then you get the verse two, like everything coming in. You get the drums coming hard, and it's it's big energy drums. You know the song, and it's fucking pounding, driving rhythm um, that you know builds up. We get fucking crashing cymbals in the chorus and stuff. It's huge. True, yes. And that comes in verse two. But yes. what's interesting about that, I think, mm-hmm. I mean, probably more than one thing, but one thing, um, the guitar and drums basically do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like the guitar is and the drums are pop, 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 pop. Oh, yeah. So, like they're synced up. Like yeah, they're it's, hitting it's those adding more stuff, notes. but everything's kind of still together. You know, it's yeah. not adding new things, it's just different sounds. Yeah, it's really like a. I don't know, it's like a cannonball or or like a wall of sound, I guess, but a very simple one. It's like we are all hitting these notes on everything, which is also a pretty punk rock approach. But yeah, it's built to to, just to punch. It's not really built to be like intricate melodies or, you know, to to dazzle with technical No, and it's not really intricate melodies. Although, I mean, the the vocal melody is reasonably good to sing along to. Oh, yeah. Um, It's not like the catchiest melody, but it's distinctive enough. Yeah, and, and it, it gets it gets the people going. Yeah, especially with those drums. Yeah. Um, they also kind of come, like, the second two, the verse two and three are kind of combined. Like, yes. in terms of the music, you can tell there's two of them. They do it twice. Mm-hmm. But also, it, it just flows right one into the other. There's That's a right. lot of that. Oh, the other thing they do, and probably part of the reason it flows, is um, they often, like, lead, uh, the like, the music won't change right away. The vocals will lead it a bit. Right. Um, so leading into, I think, did I have that the right way? 
I haven't reversed that, have I? Let me like see when you go into the chorus, he starts the chorus and then the drums come in kind of thing? In the first chorus? Mm, let me see. They change up a bit when he says, I swear Or the second I verse, rather, in. not the chorus. Yeah, he kind of leads it. It's like he leads it to a, a minor pre-chorus within the third verse there. Yeah, because he says, like, I needed someone, and then, like, the drums come in. Yeah. So he is, yeah, he is the leading performance and things build around him. Yeah, but you kind of get that, like, push into the next section. Yeah. Where one thing takes the lead. Yeah, even him, like, saying the best in the chorus, like, he starts saying the best, then the drums start doing that doonts, 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 like, really punching those moments. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a good way to keep things moving, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing, when those drums, the drums do change in the chorus, like you mentioned, uh, the guitar also changes and is still, like, kind of syncing up with the drums in the same way Mm -hmm. as it was before. So they both change in the same way. So there's a lot of that keeping things aligned. Yeah, everything's working as one kind of, like, smooth machine dragged Mm -hmm. along by Dave Grohl's vocals. Uh, except for when, of course, we hit the... Oh, I guess he even leads him there because he does the big O's and that takes us to the instrumental break. Right, fast drumming. Yeah, those drums just fucking cut loose. That's true. So at this point, they're not really... synced up. I said fast strumming, but also fast drumming. Uh, yeah, fast strumming and drumming. <laughs> um, and yeah, so they're still kind of synced in some ways, not, not like they were before. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they're both kind of going off. Yeah. And then it's uh it's 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 just fucking well constructed, right? We get the chorus where everything's kind of now at this heightened level. Mm-hmm. Girls screaming even harder if you can believe it. And then yeah. from there we cut to the the breakdown where we get verse four. Right, verse four uh, does the old quiet down at the start and then build over the, co- like do another build, a quick build over the course of the verse. Yeah, it's like it's like the miniature version of the song. It's like if you, you only got 30 seconds to listen to the song, listen to this part. Yeah, listen to these 30 seconds, which is cool, although it also cuts down even lower than the start of the song. That's right. Um, yeah, like the guitar is softer and it is maybe just even one guitar at this point instead of a couple. Yeah, and it's, like, cleaner, too, I think. Yeah, I would agree with Or relatively that. clean. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of, like, overdrive and things Yeah, like, I've heard cleaner guitars, but it gets, it gets less clean in this song. Yeah, yeah. If you want to talk about cleanliness. I do. Oh, I don't really. Oh, okay. Let's move on, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good idea. <laughs> Stop making promises I can't keep. <laughs> Fuck. Either. Um, yeah, so then, you know, we get into the, the outro section, which is, your, like we said, your compressed song. We go from the even, an even lower low to that same high we were at before in record time. Yeah, it's their kind of hybrid chorus or chorus mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then we we rip out on some guitar and drums just going wild. Yes, which is like kind of like it feels almost like the, like a big rock finish kind of thing, but it's like a composed big rock finish. Yeah, it's very like riff based. Like it's just patterns repeated instead of just like a going wild. It's a rising guitar along with this bam, bam, which is like doubled on the drums as well as another guitar. And that rises to a peak and then goes out. Yeah. The song really does feel like a wall. It's like a like a brick wall. Like a strong, sturdy wall. Yeah. Of that, that yeah. Is- coming at you yeah there's definitely a 
a strength in this song that comes across in how it's performed. For sure. It's it's got a good energy. Um hell of a lot of energy. A lot of people I noticed, and we'll talk about it with other songs, they said that I don't know, they said that Grohl sounded like a, a version of anger and frustration on this. And I'm not a hundred percent sure I agree with that. Maybe frustration, but I don't necessarily like or maybe those things are present, but I think there's like other things present because there is some, I mean, I keep saying defiance. I think that's yeah. in there. Or what did I say? Probably defiance. Yeah, defiance, resistance. Uh, resistance, yeah. There is, a, yeah, there's an element of like. And like confidence. Yeah, confidence and like reaching out to you because he's not, he's not expelling anger to us, the listener. True, yeah, even if he's angry about something, he's trying mm-hmm. to be, like, uh, supportive or, or um, inspiring. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those speeches they give in a movie where it's like, you can do it, and you're like, oh, fuck, he's really mad, but Maybe he's, I can he's do right, it. and I'm inspired. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's just about being angry. No, nor do I, but uh, I figured I'd bring that up just to see if we're on the same page. Let's talk yeah. about the music yeah. video, which is directed... By a director we've talked about before on here. Uh, his name is Mark Pellington. He's an American film director, most well known for Pearl Jam's Jeremy music video, but he's worked with a, a wide range of musicians, including the Flaming Lips. He did their UK music video for Do You Realize, a song oh, we talked yeah. about a year and a half ago. We talked about that song. Yeah, There's and that, that, video, that video, to refresh your memory, yeah, that's the one where they're just, it's the simpler version. Yeah, they're it, just like there's walking. There's two versions. They're walking, and then like dancers come Beautiful. up behind them. He's got the two people in rabbit suits. Uh, fun little video, that. So this one, a lot darker, uh, partially because Pellington's wife had died a few months prior. And so he, he kind of drew on that inspiration while making this. Uh, Grohl's quoted as saying that they just kind of like trusted Mark Pellington with his vision. They didn't really have a lot of input. They were just like, hey, let this man go loose. See what he comes up with. And what he comes up with is a band playing on a rooftop. Inspiring. Yeah. Stuff. It's like, it's mostly, I mean, we talked about how close he is to the microphone. He is that. You get some close-up on his mouth. And, and kind of how, big we, how close we are to his. Yeah, he does have big so, teeth. So, um, like, you really get a lot of Dave Grohl in the, in the shot. Yeah. He does have big teeth. And he's right up in that microphone. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah. And so it's close, like a... So there's a lot of that. And then, like, some other shots of, like, other little vaguely connected things. So there's some, like, relationship stuff. So you do see... Mm-hmm. Um, like a heart on a wall, and you see like couples, shots of couples, uh, together sometimes, yeah. and a lot of other. I mean, the way I saw it was shots of like predators attacking prey and like very vulnerable things. So there's like children, there's a newborn baby, yeah. Um, there's like a a, a lion attacking a I don't know a zebra, it's a vulture. Vulture. Oh, and all, uh, there's yeah, there's lion jumping on a vulture. There's a zebra kicking another zebra. I'm reading off the Wikipedia here. Oh yeah, car um, crash. There, yeah, there's crash test dummies. Um, not the band, but the actual crash test dummies. <laughs> uh, snarling wolf. There's a snake who just fucking bites some rodent. Yeah, yeah. You get a nuclear explosion. Babies crying. Um, children playing, sometimes hugging each other. A car crash without crash dummies. Uh, and the a wall covered in different writing phrases we get to see, which include "Help me" and "They all died in the fire I started," which is dark. Yeah, 
but like it's still mostly just the band playing and some once at one point they're like in a parkade or something yeah uh, like, they're predominantly well, they're on an abandoned hospital roof though apparently i so think they're just, inside the abandoned hospital at times that, that must be what it is makes sense yes so that's the linda vista community hospital which has been abandoned um yeah, it's like, you know how people always worry about subliminal messages, like being, like in Fight Club when he splices in genitals into yeah. to films for a split second. It's like that, but if the split seconds were much longer in a in a video of a band playing music. Like, like a bit longer. Yeah. Long enough for you to like consciously register the image. Uh, simple concept though, but I think it works well with the song. Yeah, I mean, it, it strikes me as a, a music video that came out in the mid-2000s, and it doesn't well, do a, a whole lot for a, me, a, honestly. A striking observation, Alex. <laughs> um, like, it's, it, it's recognizable, I think, by its era. By its, for sure, even looking at, at these fellas and what is a short-haired True. Dave Grohl. <gasps> what they're wearing and how they're acting. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't think it's that interesting. I'm not overly interesting. I think it's kind of in the vein some images of like that are relevant. art house. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I guess so. It's, 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 you get as much as you want to get out of it, really. It's not a sequence of non sequiturs, that's true. No. Um, like, they, they're thematically related. But I guess you are right. When we've talked about other music videos, I even think of this era where it really is just that. It's just like some loosely related images. Here's the band playing. Fuck, that's even like the uh, under pressure music video, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that is a different feel because it's like old video. Yeah, it's all like history um, footage. Yeah. Um, or even, I guess the other one I was thinking of was, um, it's not actually that com like the, or that related maybe, but um, the Atari's version of Boys of Summer. Yes, I thought of that as well. <gasps> and I don't fully know why, but I did. It's, it, yeah, kind of similar, although that one was, I think, That one had some this. weird-ass CGI, too. So. Yeah, that was, a, that was a rough one. But I like, and I, I think they picked good footage. You get to see a forest fire, that snake fucking chomping that gopher or whatever. True, is, they're striking images. They're striking Sometimes images, literally. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it works. Yeah, you get lightning flashing. I think they pick some good choices. It's, it's a pretty typical music format. I'll give you that. And maybe not the most stimulating when you've seen hundreds of music videos like you and I have. But I think it does well with the format it chose. Yeah. Um, but that's all we have to say about old Foo Fighters Best of You music video. Which means it's time to talk about the covers, Alex. Indeed it is. Um, do you want to start with VSQ or Prince? Uh, which I forgot to check the year of pr- for Prince. 2007. They're both. 2007. Oh, it's the same. Let's talk about Prince real quick. All right, not a whole lot. Let's about talk it. about Prince in 2007 at the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, um, played uh, an excerpt of the song. Yeah, he uh, medleys it with All Along the Watchtower. Yeah, he did a lot of covers at that show. I've, I've watched the whole thing. It's a pretty, it's a, it's a good performance. It's a good, um, yeah, he's on his Famously, big, uh, it was symbol. raining. Yes. Uh, which it like, 
had never done at the Super Bowl in Miami anyway. And also famously, they like supposedly someone called up Prince and said like, it's raining. I don't remember if they said like, what do you want to do about it? And he kind of said like, can you make it rain harder? Like very dramatic. <laughs> because yeah, it was like really intense, you know, because he, he ended with Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. Like it's very exciting performance. Yeah, it is. There's Indian something about whenever Prince weather. gets on a stage, there is always <laughs> yeah. a story behind it, hey? Seems to be, yeah. <laughs> like that show where he throws a guitar up into the air and it never hits the ground? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, the, is that, that's the While My Guitar Gently Weeps That's correct, video? yeah, where he's playing yeah. with like a bunch of other guys. And yeah, just at the end of the video, he tosses it up. <laughs> you just never see it land. You never see it land. <laughs> Um, another interesting part on this story is that in 2003, Foo Fighters created a cover of Prince's track, Darling Nikki. That's right. And they reached out to him to ask for his permission for an official release. He refused. Um, during an interview, uh, Prince said the following. He said, I don't like anyone covering my work. Write your own tunes. And then added <laughs> that when he wants to hear some new music, he goes and makes some himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Prince is a little... I mean... He's Prince, like he's Prince, yeah, and and obviously this performance is like mostly covers. So. Yeah, mostly covers. Um, he then goes on to cover Foo Fighters, and then Dave Grohl says, um, uh, "Having been a massive Prince fan my whole life, I was flattered beyond words. What an honor to be covered by one of your heroes." And then apparently, also in this year, like Prince reached out to him, maybe even before the Super Bowl show, and was show and was like, "Hey man, do you want to jam?" And Dave Grohl's like, "Fuck yeah!" So he goes to this like stage setup. And then Prince is like, what the fuck are you doing here? He's like, you asked if we wanted to jam. And he's like, oh, yeah, it sounds great. And so <laughs> Prince jammed for like an hour or whatever. And then he's like, we should do this again. And then never calls Dave Grohl again. <laughs> yeah, that all sounds about right. Yeah, the man is a, story. A, is a, Quite an just enigma. a walking story. Quite an enigma. Um, and knocks out what's a pretty solid two-minute version of uh, Best of You. Yeah, I mean, also impressive because he's moving around on this, like, slick, wet stage, and his dancers are going, too. Yeah, now, of course, Super Bowl performances are pre-recorded, the uh, audio, anyhow. But yeah, his ability to maintain, you know, staging and composure on a slick stage. like, they're in heels. He's also in heels. Yeah. Um, Or at least, like, wedges of some kind. Yeah, he's got some platforms in there. Yeah, and, like, they all... No one falls. Like, that's in itself no, that's, impressive. Yeah. Composure on stage. So, yeah, from a live performance, as, as, as live as it is. Right. Solid. Um, does it's a little a real, guitar solo? Yeah, he does a guitar solo, which I'm guessing, because he also covered all along the Watchtower, is, and it kind of sounds, it kind of sounds Hendrix-inspired, right? Yeah, I can see that. A little bit of that 60s rock era. Um, and, of course, that's kind of the headline of this song. I think he pulls some good... Prince moves. He throws a few screams in here and there. Yeah, he um, definitely does. He, he starts "Best of You" on verse two, mm-hmm. and ends it on verse four in a tight two-minute period. But there's a, a rip and solo in between. Uh, that just sounds great. Yeah, I mean, I mean this this whole the whole performance is very, like I said, exciting and and know, it is just truly just his guitar it, so. and drums. They have other performers on stage there who aren't even miming playing because they're just bouncing along because they have nothing to do. That's true. It's a lot. It's a lot of like just those. Dr- yeah, I didn't really notice that, but yeah, there's not. Yeah, a whole I watched lot it a couple else. times, and <laughs> that's what sticks out to me. Yeah, but it doesn't uh, doesn't does not feel lacking. I think there's. 
bass player. Gotta have one of those. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, there's not a ton of stuff. But yeah, he just kind of performs it very well. Yeah. Um, a studio version of this would have probably been pretty sick. Did he? I wonder if he like didn't record covers. I actually don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true or not. Because I don't know enough prints. I'm like, I don't know of any covers he recorded. I mean, he's a man of clearly hot takes, but maybe no follow through on that. Because he's like, yes. fuck covers. I play my own music when I want to make new music. And then he's like, I'm going to play. Right. <laughs> the but he's writers. also known for like writing and recording a lot of music. Oh, yeah, he's prolific. Um, so like he wouldn't have had to have recorded any covers. Maybe he just for did sure. them live. For sure. be. I don't know. Yeah, it, and it, it seems to me that that would be a move he does just to flex on people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of this sounds believable. All this sounds like Prince. We're purely speculating here. Um, True. To kind, kind of wrap up what is a, a short review of a short Prince cover. Um, at the end, he, he does a little talk saying kind of, he says, I ain't no fool instead of I'm no fool. Great touch. Great little, like, Prince touch. Right. Makes it seem, yeah. More like him. Yeah, fucking A. Um, I think it does a good job. A lot of people in the comments are like, this is like the all on the Watchtower moment. This is his song now, bro. I'm like, ah, it's not that good. Like, It's a like, good song. Oh, yeah, it's a good performance. I mean, you can't really, I don't think, say that if it's a live performance, even if it's a really good live performance. Yeah. I guess that you can, but it's, I don't know. I also don't necessarily believe that of like, oh, it's their song now. It's like, well, they're different. Like, there's two different recordings now. They're both yeah, good, maybe. Both good. One's maybe better. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's one of those weird, like, takes that... Even though I've probably said that before, now well, that I'm probably. thinking about it. Um, but hey, it we, show, we, but hey, we, uh, as humans, uh, are built out of contradictions. That's right. That's my excuse. <laughs> both, both can be true. I'm choosing the middle way. And the middle way's taking us to our next cover from the same year, Vitamin String Quartet in 2007. <laughs> VSQ. These fucking guys. These fucking guys. Which, um, I mean, we've talked about VSQ before a lot to the point where I'm not going to say other songs we've talked about them on because we've talked about them too much. Yeah, there's a, there is a, a long history of us talking about them because they are a hit or miss group. Yes. They've so we some, always like to check in every couple months. Yeah, to see what they did with a, you know, a certain piece. Um, yeah. This one starts good, I think. I think, yeah, it's a little, I mean... It's a very energetic song, obviously, so you kind of have to do something to keep it in. Well, it's, it's energetic, but it's also repetitive. Um, yeah. So you kind of have to keep it interesting, and I think they do a pretty good job, because there's a lot of, like, motion, and there's a lot of different things that all the different parts are doing um, that give you kind of something to focus on, different yeah, things. Yeah, there's, like, you got the main like vocal melody and then following it right off the start of those like other two going. Dun, 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 yeah. So it, it does, it does feel like there's kind of layers to it in mm-hmm. that way. Um, so I think they're reasonably successful in terms of that. Um, and then the other part is like the other things in the song, which is the like, I don't know if you call it a solo, but you know, the like musical yeah, the, instrumental the musical part. break. Yeah. And then the ending. They do mm-hmm. both of those. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. Like, oh, that's how you do that on strings. 
wouldn't necessarily have expected those sounds from a quartet. So there's some cool stuff in here. Yeah. There's positive notes. But at the end of the day, it's very, very close. And even the things they do that are like, oh, that's interesting. It's because they're emulating the original song. Yeah, it's kind of like a like a tech demo almost. You're like, well, that's neat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I find that while it is layered and rich, it um it never moves up in terms of energy, really. Little flat. Yeah, it's little a little flat. flat. I mean, there are some some motions, but like in terms of comparing this to the original, which is like a series of fireworks going off, this one is just like one sparkler, and you're like, no, oh, yeah. Like, ah, I, I like sparklers, way. and maybe it's on a birthday cake, so that's nice. So that's nice. Yeah, like it's a little treat. But, or, I mean, any cake, really. I don't care yeah, when I'm eating yeah, cake. Put a sparkler but. on it. But, like, we talked last week on our Smooth Criminal episode about two cellos. Um, yeah, and that was, like, very exciting. Very exciting. They really knew how to dig into those yeah. strings. Now, that said, I mean, you don't have to do the digging in thing every I know, time. I, I, do the trick. <laughs> do the thing, right? Yeah. But this, I feel like this song of songs that would benefit from that, this is one of them. Like, Some little more aggressive. And they kind of, like... Maybe not quite that much, but you kind of get that it. in the instrumental part in particular because it's like really fast bowing back and forth. Yeah, that's where that's kind of where they shine on this is when they mm-hmm. let themselves get a little harder in the instrumental break, which is just another section for them. They're all instruments. Yeah, so like it's neat that they do it in that way, and it sounds cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and I didn't think it was. Sometimes I'll say like, ah, oh, it's just boring because it's just the original song and. I didn't think this was a boring one, but it's also not like the most exciting. Yeah, it was just mild. Yeah. Um, and at the beginning, kind of remind me of like an Ace Attorney Orchestra vibe. <laughs> just with the yeah, okay. yeah, just just kind of like a similar vibe. That's all. That's all my notes. Yeah, it's sort of just a just an okay showing from Vitamin String Quartet. Yeah, which is, I mean, often the case. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they've ever won a, a best of cover me. Maybe. I'm sure they've won a worst of, but <laughs> yes, they definitely won a worst of. Um, yeah. So I wish they would just have more fun with it, guys. Just have a little more fun with it. Let's do yeah. a goofy take. Let's go wild. Go crazy. Go crazy. What's crazy is we're actually moving on to the year 2009 to talk we about are. Peter Embrecht and Thomas Dupont. Someone getting the best, the best out of you. Someone get him the best, the very best out of you. Has someone taken your faith? It's real. The pain you feel, you trust. Yep. There's no way either of those pronunciations watch. Peter Embrex and Thomas Day Preen. Prin. Preens. Prins. Um, yeah, two guys. We've talked about them before. We've talked about yes, this album have. before, in fact. That's right. Um, back for every little thing she does is magic. Whew, that's a way while back. ago. Um also, the first time we talked about Jacob Collier. Hey, that's right. Also, the probably the first time I listened to Jacob Collier. That would be the it. same for me. Um, so oh, I forgot to write about Peter. 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 He is Peter. a. Uh, he, he was a me- Belgian, member right? of the Flemish Latin band. Yeah, he's a Belgian actor yeah. who started doing music in two thousand four. Was a member of the band Flemish Latin band called El Tattoo del Tigre. And then he had a little big band for a while with the new Radio Kings, which is, I believe, what this is, because Thomas DePrin's, uh TDP, as I like to call him, is a keyboardist TDP. who who has worked with uh, Ambrecht in both El Tattoo del Tigre and the new Radio Kings. Right. So I don't know why they're credited as just like a duo on this, because there's clearly a whole band on this. Yeah, it's kind of weird. 
Um, is it maybe... I'm just going to go to the album real quick. And then it says the new Radio Kings on the album artwork. Yeah, so I wonder and, why... Oh, I see, and the new Radio Kings are credited in the other songs on the album, but not this one. Weird. Hmm. So I don't know what that's all about, but um, they seem to be... that. Like, there's a big band here. Like, a big yeah. band. Um, actually, real quick, other note uh, that I noticed on his... On his um, Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. his uh, like Dutch Wikipedia page. Um, he plays uh, Valentine in the uh, Amsterdam uh, oh, Lazarus um, okay. production. I did is, see the name Valentine. I didn't yeah. even bother reading the rest of the sentence. I was like, <laughs> musicals. Yeah. But yeah, Which the is, Lazarus. Uh, yeah, the musical. like David Bowie musical. I, we had an episode about that, right? Um, I think it was a bonus segment. It. We did, did we, watch it. Okay, I couldn't remember if we did a whole episode. Well, it was back when we were like doing two and a half hour episodes because we yeah. were fools. <laughs> um, wow, we're heading there. Um, what? <laughs> this version. Yeah, it's like a big band uh, kind of quicker jazzy cover. Yeah, like before a, and I he does like a the... kind of a crooner voice. Yeah, it's yeah, 100% like you're supposed to be your Frank Sinatra, your Bing Crosby, your... Mm-hmm. Others, um, I thought it was Paul Anka before I looked at the artist. I was like, ah, it's one of these Paul Anka covers. <laughs> like, oh yeah, it does sound like that, definitely. Um, and I gotta say, musically, like divorce. If I, I don't think about the lyrics and what they mean, uh, this is a fun tune. Like we got big horns off the bat. Um, he nails the, yeah. the impersonation of a fifties crooner. Like it's, it's spot on. I got another confession to make. Yeah, good stuff. Um, very like bouncy. Very uh, bouncy on those jazzy chords on the piano, and there's also like there's a move the guitar does. It's like this quick slide that makes it very yeah. bouncy. So you can hear it, like twenty five seconds in, kind of like as it ends a phrase, something like, Roop. right. That kind of thing. Good sound. Um, there's even parts that sound like a little James Bondy. Uh, it's got everything. Oh, yeah. It's full of, like, attitude and charm and panache. Um, mm-hmm. He also really hits, like, the S in best, I find. Yeah, I think that's an accent thing. Must be an accent thing. I don't know, but I, I think so. It's it's just about the only part, I mean, if, if you can even tell that he's not American from that. It's the only part right. that sticks out, like, phonetically. You're like, that's a little strange. But that's something he does. Um, but then you take a look at the lyrics and you remember the original and you're like, what is the vibe we're trying to capture here? That's true. That was something I was wondering about as well. Does mm-hmm. it capture the vibe or does it have its like own interpretation of that? Yeah. And I think to a degree, like the the like crooner swagger, it has that, which is a For level sure. of confidence. Right. Um, it doesn't really have that same defiance. Mm-hmm. For sure, but like, there's there's something there. I don't know if it goes if it's as effective. Yeah, it's um, it needs a like a more clear angle to me. Like you're right, there's some swag or some confidence, which might speak to, you know, the ideas of resistance or like finding a better way. But I see, like, there's just like I need almost a more musical theater angle. I need a story. Like, if he had opened it up right. with, like, a quick, like, hey, uh, like, if he pretended to be some kind of salesman or something where he's trying to sell you on, you know, this new way of life, breaking, he, he's got the answers to break free, we paint him as a little bit of a sleazy guy, that would play, that would play pretty well for me. I'd go, oh, okay. <laughs> right, and it would also have this, like, middle century 
um, like door-to-door salesman feel to it, which is kind of an interesting angle. Or yeah. it might be an interesting angle. It's worth yeah. trying. It's worth it would it would ground the song a little more because right now like the music all plays well. It sounds nice. I have fun listening to it. But the question at the end of the day is why is this Best of You by Foo Fighters and not just any other song? Yeah, that is a good question. That is a good question because I don't. I, I definitely don't think they do anything specifically to this song. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just kind of rely on the sound as as it exists and as they're using it. Yeah. See, it's, but it's like just kinda, it does sound pretty good. Other than, it sounds pretty good. Like I like it, don't but I don't. I don't think like I'm not going to give it best this week because it doesn't doesn't hit the mark of like you know. Like it doesn't right. have that four angle. to five. Four to five. It's a, yeah, it's four to five. Solid B. Solid B. Um, um the other thing it does mm-hmm. is it does when they do the like fourth verse um drop breakdown. Um mm-hmm. that's pretty that sounds pretty cool too. Because yeah. I mean it fits with the like old school crooner style mm-hmm. very well. Yeah, it's like we hit the glitz and glamour of old school crooner. I wonder if they could have given us a full on like, you know, sad crooner bit too to give us that dynamic. Yeah, which like they kind of do, but not. Yeah, they that, give us a taste of it, but not yeah. not a lot. Um, but if you want sadness, oh boy, do we got a fucking <laughs> pick for you? 2011, it's Boyce Avenue. Is someone getting the best, the best, the best, the best of you? Is someone getting the best, the best, the best, the best of you? Boyce Avenue, who we've also talked about. I forget what for. They definitely, they're a cover band, so they have I recognize this album art, um, but I bet a lot of theirs look the same. Um, I, I wasn't sure what... Fast Car was. probably would be my guess. Uh, maybe. Uh, uh, uh. You've got um, a fast car. So these are three brothers. Yeah, three brothers uh, that make a band. Honestly, I picked this because I kind of thought it was Graham Boulevard. Yeah, I, I thought up. so too. So when I Googled them, I was surprised when my little blog post about them didn't come up. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not Graham Boulevard, which is an enigma. Is it, yeah. um, it is Boyce Avenue, which is a three-man uh, cover band. Yes. Um, that said, this is just like solo piano version. Yeah, it's just one of the three brothers. Yeah. Yeah, we um, talked about him on Fast Car. I pulled up the playlist. Oh, man, that was a long time ago. How did I even remember the name? Jeez. I don't know, but <laughs> maybe we've talked about him a couple times, but yeah, for sure it's we possible talked about him there. Again. I don't remember. But, but, I mean, overall, it's a solo piano version, right? Like, he plays slower piano chords, and then they pick up. He's singing. Um, yeah. He does get really into it in the last chorus. For sure. And I think that's pretty pretty solid. Uh, I think that's a decent part of the performance. Um, but I, like particularly the pianos, like eh, it's not that interesting. Um, yeah, it's boring piano. It's yeah. I I I showed this to Greta and she liked it, and I I'm now going to leave her forever. No, but <laughs> um, she liked his voice. I did think I did think his vocal performance was like the strongest part, Mm -hmm. but particularly closer to the end. Yes, I agree there too. So I do think he has a good voice, but 
ultimately this feels like a paint by number covers. And that's what I told her too. It's like you get your piano, you make it sound sad. And then you sing sweetly over it. You get a good enough singer. People are going to buy it up. So he, yeah, he, he but like well. there's a fair market for that. So I, I think we're probably like, I don't really like this style, but people seem to. I know. And we uh, have been doing this for just about four years now. True. And I remember reading a, like a comic or like a, some post or something. This guy was like, you know, you can kind of be a connoisseur of anything give it enough time and it's it's sort of a form of madness he's like if you locked somebody up and sent them a, the same photo of like a toilet or something every day they would eventually start spotting differences and start having like opinions and start <laughs> right like forming a culture around that so we have kind of unintentionally done that to ourselves yeah it I, I would wager there are very few other people who listen to as many covers as we do and it has given us a very specific illness where we have strong <laughs> opinions and classifications of cover music. And yeah, it makes it impossible to enjoy Boyce Avenue. Yeah, essentially, that's exactly what it does, because this, this is like a president's choice. Like, I could see these on any store shelf. This isn't that <laughs> exciting. This isn't that special. Yeah, but it's a still pretty decent performance. And also, I mean, in terms of like the, the feel of it, mm-hmm. um, it's a lot more desperate. Yes. Um, so there's more like pain especially in the like the best lines um, mm-hmm. and focuses less on that idea of like defiance and perhaps growth yeah it really is like emphasizing the kind of pain parts and the being hurt and being taken advantage of as someone getting mm-hmm. the best of you and like like even though the defiance is there it's like it's kind of a new thing or maybe um like Bloody. you know trying to reassure yeah. yourself um, even if it's not necessarily the truth or yeah. not the truth yet. And that's what I think it was kind of missing was that that spark of determination, that something that, that, that dynamic, really, just a musical dynamic, because it's just kind of soft the whole time. He goes up an octave on the piano, and that's mm-hmm. about it for, like, tricks. He's got a functional piano solo in here. But if he had done, like, gone big, some kind of pleading, like... You know, something that says, like, let's let's get out of this city. We got to get out of here. And like, something else, you know? Something that is big, a little more meatloafy, even. I feel like I say Ooh. that all the time with these these soft ones. But if you fucking raise us up and, like... Yeah, just be meatloaf. Be, just like, be, be fucking meatloaf. Be, like, a, an operatic singer. I mean, give it a shot. Um, do you have anything hurt, else right? to say? Because that would be a perfect lead-in, operatic singers, to our next uh, yeah, cover. Yeah, let's go. Ali McGregor, 2012, soprano opera singer, actress, and cabaret performer from Australia. You're someone getting the best, the best, the best, the best of you. You're someone getting the best, the best, the best, the best. Australia. Yes, this is another slow version as well. Yeah, with like slightly more dynamics to it. Um, I mean, it certainly, it starts slow. I mean, it doesn't speed... No, it speeds up. Yeah, it speeds up a bit. Well, I don't so know if start, it speeds up, but it gets more intense. It gets bigger, yeah. So we got, like, a bowed bass on this, like a bowed double bass. Yeah, I really... Is this the one with the... Like, it's, it's, ve- like it's very jazz, right? Yeah, it enters jazz um, territory. So... Like off the start, I that really low bowing is like very nice. Really mm-hmm. like that sound. That's a great tone. Um, you know, and just that alone separates it from uh, Boyce Avenue, which because like the only other difference, they both have a piano playing and somebody singing softly over top of it. 
So you got a little bowed base texture. It's like, oh, okay, we're yeah. we're going somewhere. Off the bat, anyway. Yeah. Um, we pretty quickly move into, um, like, you know, your slow jazz, brushy drums, that kind of yeah. like, I say lazy piano. That's maybe not the best descriptor, but that's what I call it. Slow, slow piano, you know? Right. It's just kind of like <laughs> Like easy. a bit of other stuff. Because it's jazz, so you got to throw some other stuff in there, right? Of course. Not much, though. Um, but there's some uh, kind of strange musical choices in this one. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of, like, sudden chords that don't feel like they fit with the rhythm. And, like, there's an instrumental section. Well, during the instrumental section, they get, like, kind of discordant in, like, I guess it's a jazzy way that would be analogous to what happens in the rock song. Right. Um, but they do get, like, pretty wild. Yeah, they do in terms of the sounds there. that are happening, and it's all, and then it'll just be like, like the drums will just do something weird. Yeah, they kind of yeah cut loose in a jazz way. You're right. Um, and it does get kind of free like that, like kind of off the off the rhythm, off the yeah, and or it, it feels from, like that to me. Certainly, who's expecting you know four four? Yeah, um, it, from this it turns to that musical and break, and it's just like her singing operatically. She's doing her ooze, and you got drums hitting whatever they like, whenever they feel like it, and this like <laughs> sweeping piano. Yes, exactly. And yeah, it's like an doing weird chords and runs and stuff. Take, yeah. Um, I'm but not then, sure if like, it succeeds, but yeah, it's interesting. Go ahead. I, I, I think I didn't. I enjoyed it. I think. Um, doing just some weird stuff. I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes I can stomach it. Sometimes I can't. And I don't know what the difference is. I don't know if I just like, it's like, if I'm tired, I can't do it. Or maybe if I'm tired, I can do it. Or if it's actually like something more specific about the music that I'm drawn to. Right. Like it could just be my mood, but I enjoyed this one. Um, and then at the end, they do go, they go back to like pretty straight, like really just like piano chords and like more aggressive drumming. Um, so like once they get to their build. Yeah, they, they, and they do they, have a build. They give it to you straight. You mm-hmm. know, this is a very dynamic version. And it gets weird in the middle, but it does like listening to the start and listening to the later parts is like um, quite a difference. Yeah, which, like, if nothing else, gives the breakdown a purpose in this song. Because even the Boyce Avenue version does the breakdown on the breakdown verse, but it's like, well, it was just the piano before, and now right. it's just you the piano again. that much. <laughs> yeah, so you're right. It, it moves from that jazz instrumental section to, like, a pretty almost rock and roll build-up after the break. And then we cut to a broken down, you know, gentle bass, some some piano. And she ends on the line, I'm no fool. Which, I mean, we've talked about this kind of thing before as well, but it's mm-hmm. like, when you end on that kind of line, it always makes me think of that self-assur- self-assurance, reassuring yourself yeah. or something. Like, no, I'm not a fool. I'm no this. fool. I can do this. So I found, yeah, this one, and her performance, I think, has more to it. As, mm-hmm. like, the Voice Avenue guy, who I f- probably should have looked up their names. Um, um, I, well, I don't know which of the three brothers it yeah, is. Yeah, I'm not sure which and... is it, it is. Although, I, there was a music video, which mm-hmm. is just him performing on the Just camp. him performing it, yeah. Um, but, what was I going to say? Right, I mean, we talked about a more dynamic. There's more, like, breadth of emotion in the performance as well. Mm-hmm. 
compared to that and he sounds good but this one just goes more places yeah and i think for you and me like we kind of talked about it's a it's a it's not just a straight piano cover right we know those right it has the novelty factor yeah it has a little novelty of trying something with jazz in there and you go okay i hate jazz usually but oh this is okay like Um, yeah, I thought, and, and just coming off of this one after listening to Boyce Avenue, I was like, wow, this is much better. Like I said, it kind of sold me as soon as that bowed bass came in. I was like, oh, something's going on. Which is a good sound. It's a good sound. Um, Who is it today? I heard recently someone say, like, if you're at a show and you don't like the song, just listen to the bass, because hmm. <laughs> it might be more, it'll be interesting. I don't know if that's always true. But that's advice from probably a random person on the internet. That's a good idea, though. Direct your attention elsewhere. See if you can you can yeah. figure out the song structure like, by listening to. Even if the song sucks, yeah. the bass doesn't. Maybe they just really liked bass. I don't know. It could be that. It could yeah. It could be the the primal connection of bass bass to like dancing and rhythm, right? Yeah. Interesting. Um, staying in Australia for our next cover version is Dami Im in 2013, a Korean Australian singer, songwriter, and multi instrumentalist. Though that doesn't play into this one. Um, yeah, I picked another X Factor contestant. I gotta check this. I, I, I keep doing this. They trick you. And well, here's the thing. She's a singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist. She represented Australia in the Eurovision Song Contest True. in 2016. She's like an artist independent of... Independent she wasn't of like just X-Factor on X Factor and then disappeared. Yeah. So I like read that and I was and then like the, the X Factor fact comes up and you're like, okay, well maybe this won't be that. And then this really is just an X Factor cover. Yeah, and I don't know, like it's on an album, but it really is I mean, it's an album of covers. I don't know if this is just off of X Factor or what, but I mean there is a video of her performing it on the X Factor Australia. I'm pretty there sure is, Kylie yeah. Minogue is in that video. Hey. Um, because I think that was her uh mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been talking about dynamics so far a lot, which I feel like I always talk about, but this one is just like a, you know, what if you tightened the band of extremes on either end? It's not as soft in the instrumentation, it's not as loud either, so we get less movement, It's it feels less, like, organic, because you're just getting some studio musicians to knock this out for an X Factor album. Right, right, and as, like, as with all these... It's just like, hey, let's do as close to the original because people got to recognize it, right? Yeah. Um, so, or you don't have enough time to like come up with some crazy new interpretation mm-hmm. because you have to do a new episode or two episodes every week or whatever. Yeah, you got to knock this shit out. It's uh, it's pop in some of the in, in some of the worst senses of the term. Yeah. Uh, that said, her her performance is solid. Ah, I think she's a great singer. Um, uh, particularly around the 310 really mark yeah. is uh, kind of the highlight when she lets her rip. She kind of goes up there, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's like really belting at times. So mm-hmm. like, impressive pipes. Absolutely. Uh, not the most interesting cover. Not the which most I guess is kind of similar to what we said about Boyce Avenue, but I think she's a bit better singer than <laughs> just like because she's killing it. Yeah, I'm more interested by her vocals and also just kind of by her her other her thing that she does is not just like a cover band i which is weird that i would say that i'm like cover band sucks also i talk about covers every week (laughs) yeah every week 
that's my thing is covers but cover band no thank you i know that's um, I mean, part of the reason i i even had this idea i was like i fucking hate covers i was like whatever if i <laughs> talked about them every week if my mind would change and the answer is yeah yes, let's do but. that for a couple of years <laughs> see what kind of toll that takes but yeah i would be interested in her original works yeah i looked up because like she came like you said she's in eurovision she came second mm-hmm. um she did not do a cover of The Sounds of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. She has her own song okay. called Sound of Silence. Sound of Silence. So I, was, okay. I was reading it and I was like, why would a cover come second in Eurovision? What? Can yeah, you even do covers insane. in can Eurovision? Can you do covers in Eurovision? Um, I don't know if you can do covers in Eurovision, but she didn't. So She didn't, so matter. we'll never know. All this to say, it's your reality show cover, baby. Yeah. Not much else to say about not it. Not much else to say. Our final cover today comes to us from the year 2019 by a, 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 a couple of producers called Dual Sessions. Someone get in the best, the best, the best, the best of you. Is someone getting the best, the best, the best? Yeah, I... There was some details about them that I didn't dig into too much, but, like, they're really into jazz and reggae, apparently. Yeah. That's, like, the the key here. Have we talked about them before? I don't know. They I, they I, seem, I they're they on some of these, like, vintage cafe things. Oh, so we've probably, like, talked about so them, if not they directly. Might, like, there's a chance they've come up. I don't know if them specifically. Maybe they even produced those. Yeah, and they like they're associated their... with like the Cool Train Quartet, and uh, what's her name? Um, oh, uh, Karen Souza. Karen Souza. Like yeah, all they those mentioned guys. Artists like Ituana, uh, Michelle Simonell, and Jamie Lancaster. Natty Bong. We talked about Natty Bong. Love once. Natty Bong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, Dual Sessions has a pumped up kicks cover on Vintage Reggae Cafe. Hey. Did we talk about them for pumped up kids? Maybe. Um, yeah, so they do jazz covers, they do reggae covers. Um, this is uh, technically we a, oh, well. a reggae cover. Yes. Uh, it's a very chill reggae version of this song. Very chill reggae version. And I'm not I don't fully I mean, I kind of liked it in the background. Yes. Like, it gets very, like, hypnotic. Mm-hmm. This one has a similar issue to Peter Embrecht in the new Radio Kings. Yeah, it's like, I kind of like the track, but I don't know if it fits this song. Yeah. Um, yeah, same feeling. But, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some cool, like, lots of synths, lots of spacey stuff going on. There's, like, some dull chime sounds that come up a lot, which I think is kind of a neat sound in there. Um, yeah, there's interesting sparse. percussion. But yeah, you get that, and you get that reggae stuff. Like it's really sticking to the reggae groove, and that's kind of the yeah. hypnotic part of it. You really like the songs. Original song is kind of repetitive too. Yeah, you know, in in that way, or like at least simple, and it kind of keeps some repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, but just it's more of that, and there's just a lot of echoey sounds and ambient stuff. Um, they do a solo too, though. They like, do, yeah. There's stuff going on. It's not all the same, but yeah, it's it. It's an odd one. Yeah, it's tonally off. And we've talked about some really good reggae covers over the years. You want to talk about one of the big takeaways from let's do a bunch of covers? I think reggae is kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot more dynamic than I, I thought initially. We've had sad reggae covers. We've had fucking happy ones. Like We've been all over the map with them. Yeah. 
so there is a a version that could really take the lyrics into account, I feel, and make a compelling reggae take on it. Yeah, this one does keep it like pretty flat. Even the way it does the vocal melody, it keeps it very flat compared yes. to like the original. So it kind of follows it, particularly on the choruses. They stay very even. Even, yeah. Even the guitar solo is just like an even, chill guitar. Like it really is meant to be background music. I think you might be right in that. Like we have it on the background, you're like, oh yeah, cool. There's a skank going on. I kind of recognize the lyrics. Cool. This is all right. But yeah, so it's it's a strange fit. But like, yeah, again, not not a like poor track or anything. Like, not a poor track. <laughs> kind of like listening to it. Just mm-hmm. don't think about it too much. Yeah. Um, and that's that's it for songs we're talking about, which means it's time for our final verdicts. Yeah. we got three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and the version who, in a battle of wits, you think would get the best of you. Uh, so who's, who's got more wits than you, I guess? The third category. Alex, what's the worst version of this? <sighs> what's the worst version of this? I think I am going to give it to... Um, I'm going to give it to Vitamin String Quartet this week. Not Got necessarily him. because I think it was that bad. I think, actually, most of these versions at least had, like, a thing about them that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Vitamin String Quartet just had the least. Um, even, like, mostly because the things that were interesting about it weren't really things they brought to the table. It was just them doing the things from the original. And it was kind of neat because it was on strings, but that's kind of their whole thing. So, yeah. Yeah, you don't get points just for showing up, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard better from Vitamin String Quartet. Um, Even as much as I dis... Like, the the Boyce Avenue version is not for me. It's competent. He sings well, and it lands. It's admittedly not high, Mark. You know, it wasn't like the uh, difficult trick shot they pulled off. But at least they did what they set out to do, and they did it well enough. Um... A dammy M, I could, I could say that's bad because it wasn't very interesting. But I'm still a little curious. So in terms of marketing, it kind of marketed to me, which may have been its purpose. But yeah, maybe. Yeah, and, and the and as for Peter Embricks and Dual Sessions, both are like musically or musically on the mark. Like I like the music, but totally off from what the song I feel should be. So yeah, I got to give it to Vitamin String Quartet. Worst version, Alex. Sorry, the VSQ. Best. Um, what's the best version? I, I, I think I liked the Ally McGregor version the most. Yeah. That's uh, a good possibly take. just because of the novelty, but it had some neat jazz stuff going on. It was very dynamic. Um, it had an idea of like how it kind of wanted to present the ideas of the song, which a lot of them didn't really or, or didn't come across as well. For sure, yeah. It had it was working with the song as it made the song, rather than just like laying that down as the bass and be like, "Well, I want to play music now," <laughs> and this mm-hmm. happens to be in the way. That's a good pick. Um, I'm gonna go with Prince because that's fair. I kind of forgot about that's that's fair. <laughs> um, but the Prince song made me like believe in rock and roll again, and like yeah, some of those. Solos. I mean, some of those live performances really have that effect. Yeah, especially yeah, especially when they got a good solo. And I wouldn't even know if I would want, and obviously can't have it now, he's dead, but like a full studio recording of it, even though I said that would be interesting earlier, but 
just to have that that like flash in the pan Prince performance with all the fun and weird story behind it, and it's like a pretty solid version. His vocals are a little strained at times, but yeah, it's kind of it's part of the fun. Yeah, it's a cool version. I think that's the best, the best, the best, the best of you. <laughs> that's the best, the best, the best of the best of you by Foo Fighters. Um, Alex, what, what, who's who's the the cleverest? Who in a battle of wits would get the best of you? Who's gonna get the best of me in a battle of wits? Hmm, that's a good question. It's a good question. Um, I mean, I think it might be, I think it might be dual sessions. Cause they're kind of like, it's a couple like mastermind types, you know, oh, like yeah. they're producers. The producers, there's more than one of them. So you're already at a disadvantage. Um, you don't really know who they are and they have this ability to like slow down and take everything in, you know? Yeah. So I've I feel an like standing of the machinery. Yeah. I feel like they'd be the ones to beat for sure. Ah, I think you might be right there, Alex. For similar reasons, I'm going to give it to Peter Embrex and and Thomas DePrince, who might also be just the new Radio Kings, because they're a they're a large entity, <laughs> and the coordination between a large group they they've got the one up on me there. And, and foreigners, man, I don't know them. I don't understand them. That's, <laughs> they're probably they're talking Dutch. They're talking. They're speaking or Dutch. Flemish, to me, actually. Or probably. Flemish. And that I, I don't, don't know understand. what they're saying. And me, I'm you know I'm from Canada. I try to be polite in all scenarios, so they could they could pull one over on me pretty fucking quick. <laughs> For sure, he's probably really tall. I don't know Dutch. Yeah, people, I don't know right? that, that, Dutch people, man. They'd get me. They'd fucking Literally they'd get me in an don't instant. Don't know if he's actually tall or not. Um, couldn't tell you, Alex. Actors sometimes not as tall as you think. And he it's is true. an actor. It's true. <laughs> um, that does it for our final verdicts. If you've got a different opinion, similar opinion, want to talk about a version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GovernmentPod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy. Send us your comments, questions, concerns. You can also do that on our email, covermepod at gmail.com. Be sure to tell us about cover songs we've missed over the years so we can compile a little list, do a little fun special episode just for you, or more for us for ease of production. But hey, it's for us. It's for us, it's for you, because we care about you, we love you. In a very, you know, healthy relationship way. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Tell your friends about us so that they can listen to us and we can love them too in a healthy way. Um, that does it for today's episode of Cover Me. And as we always say on Cover Me, I needed somewhere to cover me without your noose. <laughs>